Let's pray. Father, this morning we have, I guess we've prayed quite a few times as we have been going through the service. We come before you because you are God and you are our Lord and you told us to to bring our petitions before you that you can give peace where there is strife and where there is turmoil. Thinking about that because I have a funeral this afternoon and I've been thinking a lot about what the Lord said to the disciples to let not their heart be troubled. That is a that is an ongoing challenge to me and I think to us, especially in these days. And so I pray that you would this morning give me wisdom and give us help us to hear your voice that your word would be clear and concise that you would be pleased to work in our midst to bring honor and glory to the Savior. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. Bless this time and uh, give me wisdom because I am a very limited supplier and I pray that you would just work in my heart and our hearts that the word would be clear, the Lord Jesus would be exalted and your spirit would be working to make us what you want us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, we're looking at Colossians chapter 3. And uh, Colossians beginning in chapter 3 is sort of a turning point, if you will, in the gospel. Paul, in almost all of his letters, as far as I'm familiar with them, gives at the beginning a lot of doctrine, and then he begins to come out further on in into some practical things. And the first part of this letter that he's writing, uh, he's been expressing his gratitude. Remember, the letter is written uh, from Paul while he's in prison because he's heard about through Epaphras, one of the members of the church in Colossae who has visited him. He's heard about what God is doing and how people have come to know the Lord. And so, and there are some problems. So Paul is writing a letter to give to us. I think it's a papyrus to take back to the church uh, to encourage the church. And we are studying that letter. And um, so he's, he's faithful. He expresses his gratitude for what God's doing in that church. And uh, just like we express gratitude, uh, we've been thinking this morning, we were thinking for thanking the Lord Eric and Sandy. I've, I've thanked the Lord that Eric had a lot of good things to say yesterday that I didn't, never knew about the church when he came here and how the church, uh, Jim and Rita particularly, had given him a lot of encouragement, a lot of instruction, a lot of help and growth. And he said that they, I, got, I almost got the idea that they were very in, in despair before they came and the church really turned them around. I'm very, that really warms my heart because that's what we want to do. We want to be encouraging to people. But we are filled with, with that kind of thing all over the place. People need the Lord. And uh, so we are we are called to be a voice for the Savior. And in Paul's letter, he's expressing gratitude, just like I said, that um, for the people, what God is doing. We're very thankful for that. And he's thankful for the, their ministry. He's expounding about the greatness of Christ in there to exalt the Lord in their midst because we have a wonderful Savior. He's magnificent. And we... We need to take time to learn about him, to study the scriptures and to learn who he is, what he's like. We're going to be spending, if we know the Lord, the rest of eternity, investigating him 
and uh, it will be the very best investment of time and effort that we could possibly have. He's warning about detours, uh, warning about philosophy and deception and other things, and he's trying to, to warn the church about going into, there were Judaizers there that might be trying to encourage the Gentiles that they have to go through certain Jewish rituals before they can be saved. And so Paul is, is concerned about these Jewish festivals, the worship of angels and things of that nature. And uh, we looked at this before, so I don't want to really get into it too much, but he's now coming into, and you have that on the bulletin, our outline we're following, he's now beginning to stress the position that's, uh, as he mentions there in the very first verse, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking those things above. And the, the, the statement there, uh, therefore, if, could be translated, probably better translated, since you have been raised with Christ. And uh, that statement is a rather interesting statement. Uh, it makes me think of passages like Galatians 2.20, where Paul mentions the fact that we are crucified with Christ. And he says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I have, I mean, in fact, I mentioned that when we started uh, two weeks ago in this little text, that I struggle many times with things like lust, with like selfishness, uh, greed. Uh, we were talking about uh, the retreat, bad language, and all of us agree that we don't try to use bad language, but sometimes if you get upset, you might think it, you might think something like that, and um, which is not good. But as I was sitting there in, at uh, Lowe's working and uh, having my heart distracted and really disgusted because I, I, I don't always keep my guard up at what I look at or whatever, and I was thinking, you know, the real solution is I, I need to die. And I think I shared that with you the other day. I need to just die. If the Lord just kill me, then I won't have this struggle anymore. And as I was thinking about it, I realized well, that's actually what the scripture talks about. It talks about when Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, that's the death. That in Christ, when he died on the cross, we are associated with him. There is a sense in which we died to self. The Bible uh, tells us that uh, Jesus mentioned it, if you go make me my disciple, who does not deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so this, this process of dying to self, of self-denial, is, is really part of what we, we go through. Uh, and it's a, we're living in a time that's difficult. Jesus gave himself, says Galatians 1, 4, he gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us that's that's a way of saying he might deliver us rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of god our father and uh, so that he doesn't want us to be like everybody else he doesn't want us to follow the self-indulgent path i can tell you when you live life on your own terms it's not worth living and it ends up in these emotional train wrecks that people are going through. And you try to encourage them to sit down and spend some time in the Word. And I, 
encourage people a lot of times to get the Grace to You app because every day there's a good study in the Word and it's a good way to just become familiar with what God's Word says and how to apply it in your life. And it's only 30 minutes and it's an ideal spiritual vitamin for your quiet time to just listen for 30 minutes and you can go through and it's really good. And John does a good job. But the Word is there as a source of life and a source of direction. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It keeps me out of sin, keeps me out of trouble. Uh, it is, uh, Psalm says, someone, he says, it's a light into my path. It gives me wisdom as to know how to live and how to walk and what to, to aim at. And so here's, in this passage here, as we come to our text, the first thing he points out there uh, in that little text there is our position that we are in Christ. That's what he says there. Since you have been raised up with Christ, we are raised up with Christ. We are associated with him there. And that's kind of our position. And uh, the idea of being raised up, maybe I should say something about that. They, it's not just raised, but it means um, raised together. I think John, if I remember correctly, his commentary translated that uh, co-resurrected with Christ. If you're raised up with Christ or together with Christ or co-resurrected with Christ, uh, you're associated with him and uh, in the resurrection. And so there is a sense in which when Christ died on the cross, we have come to him by faith. We have died with him and uh, that he now lives a resurrected life and that resurrected power is in us by our walk with him, our commitment to him. And uh, we live a resurrected type of life. We have the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus. Um, Paul says in Galatians 5, now those who belong to Christ, that is those who are saved, those who are his, those who belong to Christ Jesus, uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. There's that picture of self-denial, uh, if you will, if we live by the Spirit, as if we got life by the Spirit, if the Spirit worked in our life and our heart and opened our eyes and gave us life, he says, let us also walk with the Spirit, that is, keep in step with the Spirit, so that every day, it's not just that I face the day myself, it's not just that you are facing a whole day only by yourself, but that you're facing it together with Christ and that, that he is there, uh, to, you're walking with him, you're keeping in step with him. And I, I, <clears throat> I encourage you to do that. I encourage the people a lot to spend time in the Word, to make sure that, that your heart and your focus is directed toward God's Word and that he is able to speak to you. If you want to hear what God has to say, read the Bible. And uh, I would encourage reading passages that are easy to read, that, that because if you're reading the Beatitudes, they're good, but if you go into the biographical section, sometimes they're a little bit more difficult. So read the Gospels, read the Psalms. I love the Psalms. It's really filled with such emotion with, uh, between the writer, which is frequently David, and the Lord. <clears throat> and so the, the thing is that here we are, we are associated, if you will, with the Lord. And he starts out by talking about the position we are associated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are with him in his resurrection, if you will. 
And then he goes to the second point of that line, when we started the Lent last time, and that's our practice. Our position is we are associated with Christ in the heavenlies, uh, raised up with him. But the, the practice is that we are to keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Goes on to say, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Both the phrase keep seeking and the phrase set your mind, it may not mean much to you for me to say this, but they are present imperative. And the idea in the Greek is it is a command to be involved in a continuous action. So that the seeking and the setting your mind is not intended to be something that you've done once and now you've got it out of the way and we can go out and do what we want to do. But it is a practice in our daily walk. We are seeking, if you will, the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we are to be setting our mind on things above and not on things on the earth. So here is a here's an active practice. It does matter, by the way, what you think. Doesn't matter what goes into your heart, into your mind. Doesn't matter. Um, Rick, we talked about it the other day. I've mentioned it several times. He doesn't like to watch the news very much because it's kind of it's very, very depressing and it gets your focus. And it does. Uh, and I I agree with him. <clears throat> Be careful what you put in your mind. Guard uh, the affections of your heart. I forget now the reference, but the scripture's there. Guard the affections of your heart. Uh, be careful what you lust after. And I'm preaching to me before I am you. Be careful what you lust after. Be careful what you kind of entertainment you put in your heart and your life and your mind because these things can can come between you and your, and your walk with the Lord and you want to do that. It may not it may not seem like a big thing at first, but you begin whatever you indulge in in your entertainment and what you follow after what you pursue begins more and more to enslave you emotionally and becomes more difficult and more difficult to get those things out of your mind and you become more enslaved to the types of entertainment and the types of toys and the types of things that you pay attention to and watch and you become more and more victim and it becomes harder that's one of the struggles frankly uh, to be honest with you that i have now is trying to break these habits that I had formed as a younger as a younger Christian, which are bad habits, and which are habits that clutter my heart, my mind, with things that that I don't want to be there, and they're continually coming up and cropping up in my mind, and I know it's my fault. I'm aware of that. I'm aware that I have not been disciplining myself as I should in these areas, and so it's important. So the practice is so he says to keep seeking. Uh, and that has to do with the continuous action, the things above, things where Christ is seated at the right hand. That right hand would be a, a place of honor. The Bible talks about seeking the Lord. Um, one of my wife's favorite verses was in Matthew uh, 6.33. Let me just, because it talks about seeking, let me read the context of that. In the context of Max, Matthew 6.33, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, don't worry. Maybe you could translate that, stop worrying, or stop being anxious, or stop being concerned uh, as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what you will wear. Now, 
I don't know that that this, you know, when I when I'm home alone, like that, a lot of times I eat out, and I eat out uh, mainly because of saving time. It takes more time for me to go home and fix something than it does for me to stop down at uh, Apollo Flame, for example, get a small Greek salad or a pizza. They have real good pizza down there, or something like that. It's it's easier for me to do that. But when he's saying here, being concerned, I don't think he's he's saying stop worrying about which restaurant you're going to eat at. Uh, don't be concerned about whether you're going to buy your shirt at Belts or you want to go down to Dillard's or whatever. I don't think that's the kind of concern he's talking about. What I think he's talking about here is being concerned that you have clothing, that you have food. Stop worrying about the fact that, that you want to be able to get all the gusto you can, all the things you need now, and be sure that you have enough food, be sure you have enough clothes, and be sure you have enough uh, things that, in your life. Stop doing that because, he says, these are things that the world seeks after. The, the, he uses the term gen, Gentiles, which means those that are outside the covenant promise. These are things that the Gentiles, the world seeks after. They seek after uh, getting expensive clothes or drink or whatever, and they want all these things. Don't let that be the main passion of your heart. I remember when I was in, in college, we were really very picky about the time of the clothes. And, and we, back then, that was before your time, back then we'd wear, we'd frequently wear ties when we went out on a date or do other things to wear a tie. And the ties had to be certain kind of striped ties and we had to wear a certain kind of loafers. That was the style. And a lot of kids that developed styles that they didn't wear socks that wore loafers without socks. That was a big style. A lot of guys at uh, Rambles still do that. I always try to make fun of them sometimes. But anyway, that, that, this is the way it is. You have a certain style and it kind of latches on to you and it's hard to break those traditions. And and so here's a, uh, Jesus is saying, stop worrying about what you eat. Stop worrying about what you drink uh, or what you're going to wear. These are things that Gentiles uh, seek after, they eagerly seek after, and your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. He knows what your needs are. Rather, let your passion be that you seek first, first, that's your highest priority, that's the, that's the first, that's the chief right, let the chief focus of your interest be in his kingdom and his righteousness. And let that be the dominant passion of your heart. Not the the kind of clothes, whatever, but that these things would be the things that dominate your life. And so he goes on to say there in that text, seek those things above where Christ is seated. Um, in Luke twenty-two sixty-nine, the Lord uh, talks about the fact. He says, from now on, he says this in Luke twenty-two sixty-nine. From now on, the Son of Man, that's the, that's the most common term the Lord used about himself, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. What he's saying is that he's going to be going. There is a there is a we well talk about this sometime. I'm not going to talk about it now. But there is a there is a throne in the universe. God has has established a throne. He's put it there. He sits on it. It is a the focal point of all rule and all authority and all power in the universe. Why did he do that? He didn't have to have a throne in order to be God and rule over the universe. But when he when he designed the earth, the universe, the solar system, these things, he wanted a focal point, I believe, 
for worship and a place where people can go for authority. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the focal point. It's like the temple uh, that he built when the, for Israel. And so here's this focal point of authority and uh, that throne there where the Lord goes to sit is the focal point of all authority and all power. And Jesus is seated at that at that place in Acts two twenty two, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and all the gifts and the tongues of fire and things like that were all the manifestations that were taking place. Uh, the text says in Acts two thirty three that uh, Jesus, having now been exalted to the right hand of God, and that's what I wanted you to see. He's been exalted now from earth into heaven. And the people down here in the upper room see all these signs and hear the spirit and the wind and things going on. And there's a lot of display of power. And that is a sign that is proof of the fact that Jesus, who is not here now, is in heaven. And he's at the right hand of God. And we down here have received from the Father now this evidence, which he calls the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is exalted to heaven. He sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this display, tongues, flames of fire, silence. He's poured out this display, which you can both see and hear. And so the point is that Jesus has now been exalted to the right hand. The right hand is the hand of authority. He's been exalted to the right hand of God. He's there right now. He's there right now for intercession for you. He's there for intercession for me. Psalm 110, 1 says Yahweh says to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet here's a, a place where the Lord is going to be seated at the right hand and one day those who are rebelling against him will be brought before him and they will be uh, in submission at his feet so to speak that's uh, that's just a sign of his his uh, great authority that, that uh, the enemies will and that's true while today we see a lot of, I guess, opposition, uh, difficulties, Hebrews says that uh, while there's persecution against God's people, there are people of whom the world is not worthy. And that just means that there are people that are humble, they are loving, they are caring, they want to share the gospel with other people, and the people don't want it. And they turn their back on it, and they persecute the givers of the gospel. And things like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a difficulty there. Uh, with the way the world receives the message, but one day that's going to be they're going to be humbled um, in, the, in the Lord's presence. In Acts chapter five, uh, it says talked about God, uh, this one God exalted to His right hand as a leader and a savior, grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sin. Point is this: that's all I want to see. You see, is that when Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, He's at the right hand of authority. The right hand of power, and he is he is there. Now the text goes on to say, set your mind, uh, what you think about, what you focus on. Set your mind uh, on these things, things that that are, are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. And um, Romans eight five talks about according to the those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians talks about the same thing, that uh, 
to sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. It has to do with what we think about, what we focus on. I can't overemphasize that for my own life, and, and I'm standing up here preaching to you, but what we focus on, what dominates our thoughts, where our interest and concern rests, has a powerful effect on our life. I guess. I have a bump, by the way, that bumper sticker, Jesus First, that you made, it, it, it's really good. I really like it. Put it on the back one, just out there. You just go out and see. But that's, that, I had that because I really want Jesus to be first. And I really struggle, I really do, with everything else that comes into my heart and my mind as distractions. And uh, just, you know what I'm talking about because I'm sure you struggle with those things too. But we carry around the flesh. And uh, Satan doesn't have to do a thing. I have my flesh works full time and I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yet at the same time, I want my life to honor him. I want to pursue Jesus first. I want him to be the first in my life. <clears throat> and so that's, a, that's a, where I am and that's what I'm doing. And that's what this text is saying. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, they, they're according to the flesh, they, they uh, according to the let me read that again because I'm getting mixed up. For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the spirit of the things of the spirit. You're transformed by what you think. Paul says in Romans 12, a very familiar verse. Therefore, he says, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now that phrase, mercies of God, is just there because he's just been displaying the greatness of God's mercy. And the provision that he has made. I'm exhorting you because of the great mercies of God that you present your bodies. That's like a that's a religious term. It's like presenting an offering. Where you come with a with an offering that has been prepared. It's a certain type of presentation. If you're clean and you're coming to bring your offering before the Lord, you present your bodies as a sacrifice. Not just any kind of sacrifice, but a sacrifice that's a living sacrifice. He's telling us to present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice and a holy sacrifice, a sacrifice that is set apart for, for God. We present ourselves as a sacrifice that's holy, that's living, and that is pleasing to God. Present your bodies, present yourself. Body talks, the Bible talks a lot about the body, by the way. Paul says, I buffet my body to keep it in subjection. Otherwise, I'll be, I won't be able to maintain my testimony. And so... We present your bodies as a holy, a living, holy sacrifice, pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And if I read that right, all the things as I go through my day, my day is a worship service as I present myself to the Lord. And there are times when I just have to, to say, Lord, forgive me for looking at this. Forgive me for dwelling on this. And turn from that, and I have to, and I do that in a in a a commitment to the Lord, a surrender to Him, a, a, a desire to worship Him. That's just really, really important. So He says, you you present yourselves to the Lord as a spiritual service of worship. I like this verse two. <clears throat> do not be, or maybe stop being conformed. That means made into this image, the likeness. Don't be conformed to the world, but 
The opposite of that is be transformed. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. How? That's exactly right. By the renewing of your mind, by giving your mind new, giving it new energy, new strength, new hope, new purpose, new fire, uh, new food. Uh, go to the Word. That's why that's why we preach over and over again. Uh, make sure that you are investing in the Word, not simply for the the process. My son's really have taught about that. People just going through the motion of reading the Word because they think that that religious exercise is going to give them brownie points. No, it's not. It's possible that you, you're reading it the wrong motive, that God can still use it, but it's better to come down to the Word and say, Lord, speak to my heart and open it and let me see what you have to say to me. And he will. He will. He will do that. And so he said, to, he says to renew your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love that because one of the biggest questions that people have if they get serious is how do I know God's will? How do I know what God's will is? I want to do what God's will is. How do I know what it is? Well, here he tells us you present yourselves uh, a living sacrifice, renewing your mind with the Lord, filling it with God's word. God will begin to show you and help you understand the things that will help you become, uh, know your, know God's will of your life and help you become um, committed and surrendered to him. So these things, finally, one more thing in that little phrase, and we'll be finished with the provision. And that is, he says, not only set your mind on heavenly things, but think on these things. And we talked about that earlier. Um, Paul said, I think I mentioned this verse last time, where he says in Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, that is, whatever conforms to reality, whatever is dignified or serious or sober or reverend, whatever is right or righteous, whatever is pure or holy or sacred, whatever is lovely, that is, agreeable, whatever is commendable, that's only used here in the New Testament, it has to do with whatever is really good, if there's any excellence, preeminence, maybe is a good way to translate that, whatever is preeminent, anything that is worthy of praise um, or glory, consider or take into action or calculate these things, things that you have learned, things that you have received, things that you have heard, things that you have seen in me, Paul says, practice those things. Practice those things. And the God of peace will be with you. So I'm going to stop there. The two things so far that we have seen here that this morning, we've seen the position that we have that Christ has at the right hand of the Father, and we've seen the practice, and that is to seek those things that are above and to set your mind on those things that are above. Let that be a focus in your everyday walk. Let it be a focus in my walk that I put Jesus first. I got a, I have a funeral to go to this afternoon, and uh, the the man, the funeral, as far as I know, is does not know the Lord, and that's a hard thing. I, he did pray with me when I went by to see him next to the last time, and we did communicate. There was good eye contact, and he he did acknowledge that he wanted to ask the Lord. I said, "You want to surrender your life to the Lord?" He did acknowledge that. I don't know if he did or not, but I know that a life that is lived for, for self-purposes like that 
is a very unhappy life, a very miserable life. And it, it's not surprising when people try to end it through suicide or other things like that, because life becomes really, really harsh, really does, when you try to do it on your own terms. And so make, make the scriptures a daily part of your morning diet and really ask the Lord to help you understand that. And if you have a phone and you can get the grace to you have, uh, I recommend that highly. I do that to anybody that, that I'm re recommending quiet time or Bible reading because it's one thing to read your Bible, it's another thing to have somebody expound it to you in a practical way. And John is really good at that, really good at that. And so I, I recommend that. And I recommend that we spend time in God's Word every day. Let me close you with prayers. Father, thank you um, for this. The, the passage so far, I know that we're kind of moving slowly. It's really important that we see these things. I pray that your spirit and your mercy and your word would be mingling together in our hearts to conform us to the image of, of our Lord. And as I said earlier that Jesus, I want Jesus to be first. I do pray for that in my life. I pray that, that uh, my focus will be on him and not just on myself and that, that you would be using me and using us and using this church. I really thank you We were from the retreat. We talked about that, that how you're working in the hearts of the people and just thank you for that. And then finally, I do want to pray for Eric. I pray that he, he'll be nothing serious and that if there is a medical problem that needs attention, that we will discover it. We'll be able to get that taken care of so that he will be up and around. And I just we appreciate the family and appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the people ask you to work in our lives, that you would be honored and exalted and glorified in us and through us. And I pray in Jesus' name, thanksgiving.